Amen. Good morning, Brinesburg. It is good to see you here this week, and I hope that you've had a good week. I know it's been a crazy week for some, but we're excited to be together this morning for something that we know is always true and always faithful, and that, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. We're here to worship Him, our risen Savior today. And for those of you that are joining us through television or through Facebook Live, I want to welcome you this morning again. I am Brother Brad Walker. I'm the pastor here at Brinesford Baptist Church, and we're so glad to have you with us. Again, for those of you who are joining us through Facebook Live, if you will, let us know there in the comment section of your attendance. Love to hear from you, and if there's any way that we could pray for you or reach out to you and minister to you in any way, just let us know there in the comment section, and we've got folks that will be reaching out to you today. Uh, for those of you, this may be your first opportunity to be with us here at Brinesburg. We want to welcome you as well, and there should be a card in that pew in front of you if you'll take that out and fill it out. And then you can place that in the offering plate on the table there in the foyer as you're leaving this morning. And appreciate your attendance today. And uh, we pray that we might be able to minister to you and pray for you. And uh, so glad to have you today. Again, we have a lot going on in our bulletins. I hope that you have been reading and you see all those things that pertain to you. Uh, those of you who are planning on going to the uh, Quip Conference tomorrow night at Trace Creek Baptist Church, if you have not already received your ticket from me, uh, make sure that you get one of those before you leave this morning. I'll have those, and I'll just give you one of those. If you'd like to ride with us from the church, we're going to be leaving tomorrow at 545 from the church parking lot. So if you'd like to ride on the uh, church bus, so you can go with us at 545. If not, you can join us there at Trace Creek. Registration starts at 6, and the conference actually starts at 6. 30. So uh, make sure you get that ticket, though, if you're not going to be with us, especially if you're not going to be riding with us tomorrow night. Uh, also, this is the last day to sign up for our uh, kickoff, our choir kickoff for our uh, fall semester of celebration. Uh, and so uh, we're looking forward to that time on Wednesday. Uh, we will not have any other discipleship classes going on on Wednesday night because so many folks are going to be plugged into that time. And so uh, we do want to remind you, if you've got uh, kids that need to come with you, if there's children or grandchildren that need to come with you, we will have child care. And so uh, don't worry about that, uh, but we want you to sign up, let us know that number uh, before you leave today. Uh, also want to remind you all the information for our uh, business meeting, which will come up next, next Sunday night. Uh, it is our big uh, yearly meeting where we vote on our nominating uh, committee's report. We vote on our uh, budget for the year, our missions budget for the year, as well as elect two men to serve a four-year active term in our deacon ministry. And so um, all the information that you'll need uh, to, to look over is there in the foyer. Make sure you grab that before you leave this morning. Um, many other things going on. Make sure that you pay attention to that. Uh, we've got homecoming coming up. I hope that you're inviting folks. It's going to be a great Sunday uh, with Dr. Todd Gray and the Liberty Boys will be here in concert and so start inviting folks. We're looking forward to that time together. I uh, certainly do have many on our uh, prayer list this week. And I uh, certainly want to remember so many who are, uh, there's a lot of added stress on them right now. Uh, folks in our medical field, our educators right now, our leaders in government. There's just a lot of folks who are having to make some hard decisions. Uh, small business owners. And so uh, we want to pray for all of those folks in a special way today, as I know there is added stress in all of those different areas right now. Um, but also these who are on our prayer list, we've got folks that are sick and in the hospital right now, and uh, we certainly want to pray for their healing and uh, their ability to get back to us very quickly. Uh, but also for families that are hurting, relationships that are broken, financial stresses on families. But most importantly, we continue to pray for the lost. 
we can pr- to continue to pray for those opportunities uh, to reach out to our family members and our friends and our coworkers and our classmates with the gospel. And even this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit might move. If there's one here today, if there's one watching on television or Facebook Live, and they don't yet know Christ, that today would be a day of salvation for them. Uh, that's what it's all about. And so uh, let's look for those opportunities as we go about our week. There's a lot of opportunities right now. People are open uh, to gospel conversations right now. Take those opportunities to speak a word of encouragement to them, uh, a word of life to them, and watch how the Lord uses that. Let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the fact that after a very stressful week where things have been very chaotic and there's been a lot of noise from a lot of different directions, that right now our hearts can be stilled and we can hear from you. Lord, that we can lift up our hearts and our our voices in worship, that we can pray and know you hear us, that we can study your word and know that we're going to hear truth. And so, Lord, today, just speak into our hearts and into our lives and allow us to truly just have a time with you, not not distracted by the individuals in front or behind or to the side or anything that's going to be going on later this, this day or this week, but just focused on you. Lord, today, I know there are many issues in our hearts and minds, but, Lord, I pray that number one on our hearts would be to reach the lost. Lord, that we would have a heart to, to speak a gospel word to someone today, to someone this week, Lord, that, that we might have an opportunity and that, Lord, we might be obedient in taking that opportunity to share your great love. Lord, I know that you have a word for us today. For some, that's going to be a word of encouragement. For some, it may need to be a word of correction. For others, it's going to be that word of life that leads them to salvation. But, Lord, speak as only you can. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Lord has done for us. The story of Jesus. And we want to give us, let's sing this chorus of praise. It's called, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. <coughs> Singing. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me something worth thanking the Lord for this morning? I know that I do. I thank the Lord for his many blessings, but most importantly, we thank him for salvation. We thank him that while we were yet still in our sin, that he chose to come and to die for our sins. He chose to rise again, that we might have life. We're so thankful for the Lord. This morning, as we come to this time of prayer at the altar, as we begin our our service together, uh, perhaps the Lord's laid an issue on your heart, an individual on your heart, and you'd just like to come to this altar this morning and lay that down here at the foot of the cross and, and just trust Jesus with it today. Take that burden and lay it down. Um, perhaps you're at home this morning and, and you uh, need to do the same thing. Just right there at the couch or the chair, wherever you may be, uh, use that as a place of, a, as a place of an altar. And uh, let's come to the Lord in prayer. They were head bowed and with all eyes closed this morning. The altar is open this time. Come, let's pray. thank you today that we can come boldly before the throne of grace not because of any righteousness within ourselves but because of the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ Lord we recognize it's because of that relationship that we have with Jesus that when you look at us you do not see our sin and our failures and our mistakes but Lord when you look at us you see your son and so Lord because of that we can come we can come before you and you, you hear us. And as, as we come, you hear, do more than just hear us. But Lord, you respond to us. And so, Lord, there are a variety of different issues on hearts today. Lord, some hearts are broken today because of a diagnosis. It's very hard to take. And, Lord, we have to trust you with, with the outcome. Lord, for some, it's the financial issue that's on their hearts today. 
not knowing how to pay the bills. We trust you. For some, it's that broken relationship. Can it ever be put back together again? Lord, we trust you as the God of reconciliation. For some of us, it's, will that individual that we're trying to share the gospel with, will they ever hear, will they ever respond, will their heart ever be softened? Lord, we trust you because you are the God of salvation. And so, Lord, today, as we come before you, Lord, we, we pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we need to have our hearts changed. Lord, you're the God who never changes because you're perfect and all your ways are perfect. But our hearts and our minds need to be changed. And so, Lord, do that work in us as only you can, that we might come in line with who you are, that that sanctification process might continue in us today. And, Lord, that as we leave this place, we might leave as a changed people who truly know that we have met with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing that great song, Love Lifted Me.
so much. Be seated, please. Nothing like being prepared, is it? I didn't have it in my phone on my list. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the presence of the Thank you, Tim. Ready in season and out of season. All right. Praise the Lord. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 20 this morning. Revelation chapter 20. And I believe the Lord has a word for us today. This was, um, this was a, one of the hardest sermons I've ever prepared for. Um, what we're going to be talking about this morning is very disturbing. Uh, it should be heartbreaking to those of us who have family members and friends who are still lost, who still do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And that's where this hit me this week, is the fact that I have so many family members and so many friends that I've tried to share with, but they still haven't come to that, that saving knowledge of Christ. Um, and yet, this this passage of scripture must urge us, it must spur us forward, it must tear at our hearts to recognize that judgment day is coming. Final judgment is coming and we may be ready and our family that lives in our home may be ready, but what about those others, extended family, friends, folks in our community, are they ready? And that's what has really stirred my heart this week here in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. So as you turn there in your Bibles and as we begin to focus our hearts on final judgment, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you. 
Thank you for the opportunity to lift up our hearts and our voices to you in praise. Thank you that you desire to spend this time with us, Lord, that we can come and we can corporately worship together, Lord. Uh, Lord, we don't take the, the, the idea of corporate worship for granted anymore because, Lord, we know that it is a blessing to be able to come together in this way. And so, Lord, thank you this morning for the time that you've given us. And, Lord, we know that you're going to speak to us in a powerful way this morning from your word. And, Lord, these are difficult verses to try to comprehend. Not because they're complicated, although it may be for some a little complicated to understand everything that's being said here. But because of the reality of what this means for lost family members and friends, neighbors, Lord, there is a very real place of separation from you. And it very, very much is for eternity. And Lord, we have to allow that to sink in. To recognize why you have given us such a great commission. To take this gospel to a lost and dying world. And so Lord, this morning, I pray you would hide me behind the cross. I need to get out of the way. And you need to speak as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This may come as a surprise to you this morning, but um, as, a, as a kid, I was a bit of a handful. Um, again, this may come as a surprise to you, but I love to talk. But I also love to get into stuff sometimes. And so there were multiple occasions where uh, mom and dad would uh, tell me to uh, stay away from breakables in the house or not to throw things at breakables in the house. And uh, they, would, they would give me that instruction time and time again, and I would fail to listen to that instruction. And so after breaking said, un, said, said breakables, uh, I would then proceed to double down on that mistake, we're going to use the word mistake, okay? I would double down on that mistake, and I would choose to then try to hide from my parents, believing that I could hide long enough that they would forget that I had broken it, and I could get out of the punishment. And so I had a lot of different hiding spots. I, I was small at that point. This could not happen today. I could get under the bed, okay? I could hide under the bed. I could hide in the corner of the closet. Mom and Dad had this... Uh, uh, end table and both doors open from, from the front and the back and at that point I could get inside of that table. Liz Kate can still fit inside that table. Uh, I, I would hide in the back of the kitchen pantry. It would take mom and dad at least two minutes to find me and once they found me um, the discipline, the, uh, the chastisement, the, the, the Whatever needed to take place, we're talking about, okay, was administered quickly, okay? And so, I think today about that, as I have kids of my own, I think about that, how foolish of me to try to hide from my parents, to try to hide from the consequences of my sin. But still, it is not as foolish as that person who tries to live and think that they can hide from God. The world is filled with people, though, 
who go through life as if they have no sin. They go through life as if there is no God. They go through life as if they will not face God in judgment one day. What they hope for, though, will not come to pass because there very much is a God in heaven. And he very much will judge those who are outside of a relationship with him. They speak about that terrible day here in Revelation chapter 20. We speak about it when every lost sinner will face the Lord in judgment. There will be nowhere to hide on that day. There will be no corner of the closet. There will will be no hiding under the bed. No one will be able to hide behind excuses. No one will be able to hide behind ignorance. No one will be able to hide behind false professions of faith. Everyone will face Jesus Christ as Lord and as judge, and they will all receive a just sentence for their sins. That's what we see here this morning. And so, if you will, please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word as we come to Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne, and with him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the seas gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in to the lake of fire. You may be seated. A lot to comprehend here in these verses. As we start here in verse 11, we see the judge in the great white throne. And so we see the picture in this throne. The picture in this throne, there's two adjectives that are used to describe this throne. The first being, it is called great. Now that is speaking of its power. This is the highest court in the universe. This is no small claims court. When judgment is rendered from this throne, there is no appeal to a higher court, for there is no higher court anywhere. This is the place of highest authority. This is the place of final judgment. For those of us who uh, have been blessed to live here in the United States of America and we think of our court system, it might do well for us to think of this like the Supreme Court. Nothing can be appealed to a higher court. There is no higher court in the land. All judgments rendered here will be final. But also, it is called white. It's called white to speak of its purity, of the purity of this court. All human courts, all of them, are tainted by sin and by prejudice and by fallibility. This court, on the other hand, is absolutely perfect, and the judgments rendered here will be absolutely perfect and righteous. The judgments here will be final. The judge who occupies this bench is infallible, and he cannot be tainted by sin or by prejudice, but he renders judgments in in perfect righteousness and in perfect fairness. Not a single person who is judged here will be able to cry unfair when their sentence is handed down. 
Every sinner judged and sentenced will know, will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that they have received a perfect and a fair judgment. But also we see the person on this throne. The person on this throne. Actually, the Bible uh, tells us of this throne, and it's occupied by a person. However, the identity of that person is not revealed here specifically. But the Bible tells us in many other places, in very exacting ways, exactly who it is who sits upon this throne. His name is given to us. The name of the one who sits on this throne is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The one we know as Savior today will be their sentencer in that day. But also we see his nature. This is no lowly Nazarene who occupies this throne. This is no humble carpenter. This is the resurrected conqueror. This is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords. And his appearance is described for us by the prophet Daniel. In Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 and 10. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. Daniel was looking and he was seeing this great last and final day of judgment. His, his presence is so terrible here and so powerful here that even the heavens and the earth were told, flee from before him. What does that tell us? It tells us that nature has the good sense to bow before the great and mighty judge. Why is it that sinners have such a difficult time doing the same? It is also worth noting that this is where the earth is purified by fire. God destroys this ruined creation and he remakes the universe as it was before sin entered and and devastated it. And so I'd remind you that we still live today in the day of grace. This morning, sitting right here in Bryansford Baptist Church here in August of 2021, we are still living in the day of grace And so during this time in history, a sinner can still come before God and can still cry out for forgiveness. And the Lord will receive them and save them by His grace. Today is the day of grace. Today is the day of forgiveness. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of mercy. There is a day to come, and that day is today. There will be none of those things given, though, in that day. Only judgment, swift and sure, will issue from the great white throne and from the Lord Jesus Christ on that day. But also we see the perception of this throne. The Bible tells us here that there was found no place for the the heavens and the earth to hide from the gaze of the one on this throne. It needs to be remembered that this righteous judge sees all and he knows all. There is no sin that has been hidden from him, no thought that has been concealed from him, that there will be no pretending, there will be no pretense on that great judgment day, but only a sure recounting of every sinful deed and every sinful thought. There will be no getting under the bed, there will be no going into the corner, there will be no hiding under the table, there will be no hiding at all, because this is God Almighty and there is nothing hidden from him. 
Some think that they're getting away with things in the here and the now. But the truth is, is that God knows all about you and, and what you're doing and what you're thinking and the meditations of your heart. He knows all of that. He knows everything there is to know about you. He haven't hidden a single thing from God. There's nothing in that back corner of, of your life that you think you're hiding that God doesn't know about. It may be that your spouse doesn't know about it. It may be that your kids and your grandkids don't know about it. It may be that your employer doesn't yet know about it. It may be that the church doesn't know about it. Maybe your pastor doesn't know about it. But I guarantee you that our God knows. He knows everything that you think is hidden. And because there will be no hiding from this righteous judge, he will know all there is to know about you before you ever appear before him. He knows you, and he knows you intimately. But secondly, look with me at verses 12 and 13. And we see justice and the great white throne. We see the defendants appearing at the throne. Here we're told that those appearing before the throne are dead. Okay, so what does that mean? What does it mean that we're told that those who appear before the throne are dead? This proves that there will be not a single born-again believer in that group. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible tells us that we who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord have done what? We have passed from death unto life. So death no longer has any hold on us. We have been given eternal, we have been given abundant life through the blood of the Lamb, and we can never lose that life. We can never die again then. We will never experience death Again, forever, okay? Forever. You are in a position of life in him forever. This can only mean one thing then. This can only mean that this mass of humanity will be made up completely of those who are spiritually dead. Note also that this group includes all spiritually dead. God raises their bodies from from the grave. God raises these dead bodies from the tombs. He knows where every single particle of human dust is located, and he is well able to bring it together and to raise it up to life. Whether it is cremation, whether it is burial, whether it is in a tomb, whether it is in the seas, no matter where it is, he will raise them up. And he calls their bodies from the ground and their souls from hell, and he reunites them in a pitiful procession here of anguish and of hopelessness. No one will be left out. The king and the servant, the general and the foot soldier, the master and the slave, the borrower and the lender, the business owner and the hourly employee, they will all stand before God. None will escape, none will hide, but all will face the righteous judge in judgment on that day. Unsaved preachers, unsaved deacons, unsaved church members, popes, priests, nuns, choir members, drunks, harlots, drug pushers, pimps, drug addicts, drug pushers, grandmothers and grandfathers, teenagers and moms and dads who have not accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will all stand before God in the same way that Cain will stand there and Judas will stand there and Hitler will stand there. Every other person who has chosen wickedness and unrighteousness above God will stand before that throne and will stand in judgment on that day. There will be no escape. There will be no exceptions. Every person who has ever died without a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, every one of them 
will face him in this judgment on that day. Verse 3 reminds us that all who died, regardless of where they died, will appear before Jesus in judgment. Even those who are in hell will be brought out for this day of judgment. Every lost sinner from Cain to the last sinner who dies in the millennium will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question comes, will that be you as well? Will you be in that number because you have continually and continually and continually rejected Jesus? Will you be in that number because you have foolishly said, maybe another day, I don't want to walk an aisle. I'm too embarrassed to be baptized. What will people think if I come up? Because I came up when I was younger and it was a false profession. Every excuse, will you be in that number because of it? That's a question we have to ask. And this horrible assembly stands trembling before before the Lamb of God. And they here are forced to look into the face of the one that they spit upon. They can see the nail prints in his hands. They can see where the, where the thorns were, were dug into his brow. They, they can see the awful things that he suffered for the atonement of our sin. They see him as he is, and they are filled with fear. But also we see the documents used at the throne. What do we mean by that? Well, the Bible tells us here that the books, plural, The books will be opened. Only one of these books is named, and that is the book of life. And I don't know exactly how many books may be used on that day, probably many, many uh, more than we might imagine. Um, But I'm sure of a few that will be open. Let's look at a few of them that we know from Scripture that will be open. First, the Bible, the very Word of God. Jesus himself reminds us that we will be judged out of his Word there in John chapter 12, verse 48. So the Bible that sinners mock, the Bible that sinners refuse to heed will be used to to render judgment upon their lives one day. And so wouldn't it be better today, wouldn't it be better to believe it now and, and to be able to go to heaven than to reject it and then face it in judgment and go to hell? Believe God's word. He has given us a letter that tells us the specifics of how he wants us to live our lives. Let's live by it. But also, We're told the book of deeds. In heaven, a record is being maintained of the deeds of all men. And one day, every lost person will stand before the Lord and hear the record of his life read from that throne. Every deed, both the good and the evil, will be mentioned. Every sin will be read out loud. Sins of commission, sins of omission, flagrant sins, secret sins, sins of the heart, and sins of the mind. All will be brought out into the open on that day. Verse 12 makes it clear that the lost, listen, the lost, the lost will be judged by their works. Do you hear me? Don't go and say, Brother Brad's preaching salvation by works. I didn't say that. I said the lost will be judged by their works, okay? So if you want to live a good enough life, if you want to earn your salvation, you will end up in hell. If you're trying to earn it on your own, if you're trying to do works to get to heaven. A man can either choose to stand on his own record and face God in his sins, or he can come to Jesus and have his record expunged. What do you want to do? I'm going to choose expunged, okay? Faith in Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ where you repent of your sin and you turn to Jesus, guess what happens? Faith in Christ wipes your record clean. 
and I don't know about you, but I need that. Because I've got some sin in my life. I've still got some things that, that God's working on. But guess what? It's all been wiped clean. It replaces the record of our sins with the record of Jesus' righteousness. I'll take that. Sign me up for that. That's what I want. And that's exactly what takes place. When our book is open, it says, See Calvary. See an empty tomb. Acquitted. Won't that be awesome? To know that it's not based on me, it's not based on my works, it's not based on how good I could be, but it's based upon the righteousness of my Jesus. That's what you need on that day. But also we're told of the book of life. Every name of every person who will ever be born is written in this book. Revelation 3, 5. He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and... I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before the Father and before his angels. You go on down to Revelation 17, 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wander, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they beheld the beast that was and is not, and yet he is. So what we see here is that when a sinner dies without trusting Christ as Savior and Lord, their name is removed from that book because they are no longer living. They are eternally dead in their sin. But then we see the Lamb's book of life. This book contains the names of those who are redeemed. And how were they redeemed? Were they redeemed by their works? Were they redeemed by their good deeds? No, They were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They were redeemed because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when a sinner repents, their name is written in this book. And this is the reason that Jesus told his disciples that they should rejoice there in Luke chapter 10, 20. Why? Not because they could cast out demons, not because they were given all these amazing powers here on earth, but because their names were written in the Lamb's book of life meaning they had eternal life. They never had to fear death again. This book records who has and who has not accepted Jesus as Savior. And when the great white throne judgment comes about, both of these books, the book of life will be matching. The book of life and the Lamb's book of life. There will be no mistakes because he makes no mistakes. They will match perfectly. And imagine the horror of standing there that day and hearing your sins being recounted. And imagine being forced to admit your sin and the fact that you are a sinner. And then imagine Jesus opening that book of life and showing you where your name has been removed. And then imagine him opening the Lamb's book of life and showing you that every single slot in that book is filled and that your name does not appear. Could there be any greater feeling of hopelessness and horror? And it is not a fantasy, church. No. It is a time of such horror that nothing in this life can compare to it, but it is an absolute, total fact. It is a promise given to us by a promise-keeping God. You need to be sure. Listen to me, church. You need to be sure this morning. 
You need to be sure that you are saved today. Friend, if you're here and you do not yet know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and maybe that's just a hidden fact in your own heart and everybody else thinks you are saved, but you know you're not. If you're here this morning and you are not saved, you need to be sure that your name, before you leave this place, is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if it were me, if it was my eternity hanging in the balance, I sure wouldn't be waiting for a preacher to say, okay, well now you can come. I'd be coming right now. I'd be coming to this altar right now. And I've got deacons that would love to lead you to Jesus right now. You don't have to wait. You can come right now. If you're lost, you could come this very moment. And guess what? He would save you. He doesn't say it has to be at the end of the hour. It can be any, at any point in any time. And if you need to be saved, you interrupt this preacher. There could be no better interruption than for you to say yes to Jesus. If I were you, if I had any doubts, I'd come to this altar and get it settled today. But also we see the decision made at the throne. The last phrase in verse 13 tells it all. When these books are opened, judgment is rendered and based upon the evidence that has been found in the books. You can be sure that the evidence is accurate, that the record has been complete and it is thorough. It is worth noting that every person will stand on their own merit, on their own works, regardless of excuses that you have used to justify not coming to Jesus in that day, you will stand under judgment yourself. And so you won't be able to, to make excuses. It will make no difference who hurt your feelings. Or who stood in your way, you thought. Or what hypocrite that you, you said, well, I saw their life and I didn't want to trust Jesus. I, any of those excuses, they will not matter. Because in the end, it comes down to you and Jesus. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Not them, not the preacher, not the deacon, not the Sunday school teacher, not the person who always looked like a hypocrite to you. But do you and Jesus have a personal love relationship? Because if you and Jesus don't have a personal relationship, then you are lost. And you need to be saved. How much better it is to come to Jesus in this day when there is still hope for salvation than in that day when there is no hope for nothing but judgment. Be saved today and be sure today. But lastly, I want you to look with me at verses 14 and 15 and see judgment and the great white throne. There is a fearful judgment here. The sentence that is rendered here at, at, at this bench is death. Not just a physical death. But the second death, which is eternal separation from God in what is referred to here as the lake of fire, this death involves never being able to die. There will be no end to the torment. There will be no end to the literal hell, to the awful nature of what these sinners will face forever. It will be an eternal state of dying apart from the presence of God or anything good. It will be literally hell it is the death that is referred to there in Romans 6, 23. For the wages, for the price that has to be paid for your sin, for the wage is death. There could be no greater price to have to pay. Imagine the horror of hearing Jesus say those words that will condemn you to eternal torment. Imagine hearing him say, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That is what it's prepared for. It was never meant for us, but that for the devil and his angels. And yet that is where sinners will spend an eternity. Imagine leaving this world and experiencing that forever. Imagine living your life the way you wanted, without regard for God or his will, and then having to hear the Lord who loved you enough to die for your sins, to die in your place, to speak those awful words. Could there be anything more terrible? Think about some of those in Scripture 
who will hear those words, I never knew you. There is no record of your birth. Depart from me. Individuals throughout Scripture like, like Agrippa and, and Felix and Judas and the rich young ruler who came so close and yet pushed Jesus away. Perhaps the only thing that equals that would be for you to be a religious person. And what I mean by that is you may be a church member. You may have your name written on the roll. You may be a regular church attendee in the Lord's worship services. And so you've heard these kind of messages time and time and time again. And to have to stand then before him and hear him pass judgment on your life. This is the very situation spoken of there in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. But many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Listen to me. Don't let that happen to you. Come to Jesus while there is still time. Come to Jesus while there is still grace. Come to Jesus while there is still hope. Come to Jesus today. But then also look at a final judgment. There will be no appeals, no judgment rendered from this bench will be, will be able to be overturned. Everyone will be final and binding. This will be the last day for any of these sinners to ever see. This will be the end of the road for them for they are forever consigned to the lake of fire to, to, to experience torture for eternity. Many don't believe that's true, though. Many say, oh, that's just a preacher getting up and preaching hellfire and brimstone. They, were not, they will deny to the end the reality of hell and claim that such a notion is just old-fashioned. It's out of date. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's just a fool. But the Bible tells us that hell is real, and that's what breaks my heart. Lost sinners go there and spend eternity. They don't go there and spend a year. They don't go there and spend a hundred years. They don't go there and spend a thousand years. They don't go there and spend a million years. They go there and they spend eternity separated from God. It's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But also, it's a fully avoidable judgment. It's a fully avoidable judgment. This judgment is fully avoidable in that the penalty has already been paid. The price has already been paid and it's been paid in full. And all you have to do is accept the payment. All you have to do is accept this payment. Any sinner who will willingly repent of their sin and turn to Jesus alone, by faith alone, can experience eternal salvation we'll never have to experience this the precious blood of jesus shed on calvary is sufficient to save any sinner who calls upon him the grace of god is sufficient for every sinner who will come regardless listen to me regardless of the depth of their sin the love of god for the lord is sufficient to receive all who will come to him by faith please don't be foolish thinking that you can live good enough or that you can hide enough from God to get to heaven. Because if you die without Jesus, you will die and you will be there on that day being judged. And you will spend eternity in the lake of fire. Come to him while the door is still open.
It's been a difficult week for me to think about these people who will perish and experience this forever. It's been physically upsetting to me to work through all that this means because like so many of you, the family members and the friends, their faces right now, their faces are before me. I pray that they're watching online today. I pray that they're watching on television today. Many of them know who they are because I've talked to them. I pray that they're hearing this. And they know how brokenhearted I am and how brokenhearted you are for your lost family and your lost friends. The scene described here is horrifying. However, as horrifying as it is, it's true nonetheless. And if you have never been saved, then you desperately need to be saved by the blood of Jesus today. You need to be saved today. If you will trust Jesus by faith, if you will repent of your sins, trust him by faith, you will be saved and you can be spared from this terrible time of judgment that is coming upon all the lost. Won't you come? But for those of you who are saved, this passage reminds us of the terrible need of those around the world who are lost. If nothing else, it ought to move our hearts to think about family members and friends, to think about coworkers and classmates. It ought to stir our hearts like nothing else, to go out. If just being obedient to the Lord isn't enough, and surely that could be enough. But if that's not enough for you, think about, think about what this says about the destiny for so many. Surely we've not become so hardened in heart that the thought of hell no longer even moves us. Maybe this morning you need to come and you need to pray specifically by name for your one, and then you need to go and do something about it today or at least this week. Arnold Lewis worked as the supervisor in a shipyard and his work there took him to all kinds of ships throughout the day and so he was all over that yard. One day there was an inspector who needed to consult with Arnold about company matters and he had to search and search and search many ships to finally find him and of course he was impatient and, and more than a tad bit frustrated by the time that he found Arnold. And here's the conversation that occurred. The inspector said to Arnold, I've been looking all over hell for you. And he, then Arnold looked back at him and he, very calmly he stated, well, that's one place that you're never going to find me. I'll never be in hell because I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You'll never find me in hell. No more was said on the subject. And the two men went about their business and got it settled and went about their work day. And finally, when the whistle blew for the end of the day, the inspector again came looking for Arnold. And he said, I've been thinking, Arnold. I've been thinking about what you said today, uh, about your assurance that you'll never be in hell. I wish that I, too, could know that I was saved from hell. Arnold looked him in the eye and he said, you can have that assurance. And starting right there, pulling his New Testament out of his back pocket, he led that inspector to Jesus right there on the deck of that unfinished ship. And at that time, and from that point forward, that inspector never again had to fear hell. That can be your testimony today. Wouldn't you like to be able to say about hell, that's one place you will never find me because you have an assurance in your relationship with Jesus.
If you have any question about that, if you're saying today, well, I have no idea, I have no idea if I have a relationship with Jesus, well, then you probably don't, and we need to get that settled. If you have any doubts about family members and friends, and if they're lost, and if if they know Jesus, then we need to be here on our faces crying out to the Lord for them. Maybe you need to say, you know what, this is where our our family needs to be. We need to join this church. We need to get, get hooked up with what God's doing here. Maybe you need to come and do that. How's the Lord speaking to you today? Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, these are difficult verses for us to work through. And they're difficult because of the reality of them. And the knowledge that we have that we have so many family members and friends who are lost. And who desperately need you. So right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit is convicting hearts as only he can. And I pray that we're going to see folks move in obedience here in the next few moments. And if they don't yet know you as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day that they would come and say yes to you. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.